then yes, we are in the series on Tangled, and we're going to talk about singles this morning, and we're actually talking about singles this morning and next week, and uh, and walk through that together. So married people, you, they have had to listen to your stuff forever, so you get to listen to their stuff for two Sundays, all right? So we're going to pray for that, and let's uh, get started. Father, as we come before you, the mystery of singleness and the mystery of marriage are things that get really tangled in our world. And uh, as, as Wilson just said, um, it can hit you with a surprising bomb. And, um, and suddenly you're in a place you never intended to be. And Lord, as, as we look at this this morning and kind of do just the landscape, uh, the overall picture, pray for uh, your help uh, to just give us eyes to see it again. Many of us who are married have forgotten what it's like. And we seek you for... Uh, compassion and understanding and support. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. Take this in. Uh, I would like to uh, just uh, give you a heads up on the McDavid's. We mentioned last week, uh, Janie McDavid had surgery and uh, brain surgery. It went as well as could be expected. And she's recovering. And they just wanted to say thank you, everybody, for praying for them. And... Uh, that right now she's in intensive physical therapy and they're trying to get her uh, motor skills back. It seems to be coming back pretty well, which means that the swelling in the brain is going down, which is good, uh, but her eyesight isn't coming back yet, so uh, the left eye. And so um, continue to pray for them and they just wanted to send appreciation for, for all the prayers. All right, so let's talk about being single. You know, there's, there's a million different launch places, right? where you could go on this. And so I just, I was thinking through and uh, I grabbed this one and it says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is talking, he says, now as a concession and not as a command, I say this, I wish that all of you were as myself as I myself am, that being single, put that up there, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And you kind of get this attitude from Paul, well, if you have to be married, fine, you know, if you want to really be godly, you'd be single like me, right? And uh, to the single person wanting to get married, these are some of the most dreaded words in the New Testament, right? And I remember this. Uh, people would ask me, because I was single until I was 38, do you have the gift of singleness? I said, no, I have the role, okay? And there were, for me, there was a profound distinction in that because it was something of a season that God had set for me. Uh, in my heart, I had been wanting to be married since I was 16, my, my whole idea of a great life was to be on a farm in Wisconsin with a tractor driving my kids around, right? And I just thought, how much better could life get? I'm glad the Lord had bigger plans for my life than I did. But um, if you think about that, the only more terrifying words um, are when Jesus goes into his discourse on marriage and then begins to talk about eunuchs, right? If you're a single person, especially eunuchs who are made eunuchs by other men, yikes, you know, please God, please, I don't want to be a eunuch, you know? And so you kind of, there's these statements in the New Testament where you just go, ah, oh, if you're a single person, you know, if you're married, yeah, whatever. But if you're single, it just rattles you because you're like, oh, is that what I'm supposed to be called to? And uh, it really jumps out at you. Now we can laugh at that, right? And there's some humor in it, but it's a very serious dialogue for a single person. Uh, they run into those scriptures in a different way. Uh, let me just illustrate this. I remember when I was in junior high, and I grew up in a Catholic background, and so they pulled us all together in CCD, and they had a priest come. 
And the priest was talking about the wonders and joys of being in the priesthood. And the priest said, and he was a, a, a young guy, a, you know, he wasn't in his 70s, he was a young guy. And, and like, why would he be a priest, you know? Because he was a good looking dude and could have got a lot of girls. And so you're kind of like, you know, as a kid going, eh, that didn't make sense. And, and he says, oh, by the way, he says, is there anybody here who you think would make a good priest? And everyone in the group turned and pointed at me. And I went, ah! right? And I was like freaking out, thinking, no way, I want to get married. I, I don't even think in junior high I knew what married was at that point, but I knew whatever it was, I did not want to be a priest. Okay? And that just was atrocious to me. So uh, I, I had that pressure for a long time. So as a single, I remember uh, I had a very straight linear progression in my mind that rolled out. And here's how it rolled out. Um, I was going to grow up, like girls in junior high, date girls in high school, go to college, find the gal of your dreams, get married, have kids, have a career, and become a grandpa and sit on a porch and dispense wisdom. Right? That was how it rolled out. And I was, I was all set. I was going to do that. That's how I was going to track. Get it done, bada bing, bada boom. Right? Got it, got it spelled out. I mean, how hard could it be? I mean, seriously. Right? I found in my own life it became tremendously hard. Uh, let me talk a little bit about the magic window. Right? Um, so the first, first line there is 18 to 22. You can see it's blue. And that's because you have tremendous opportunity during that era to run into all kinds of other people who are single. If you're late high school, you're in college, um, you, you are at the prime spot when you are going to run into available other singles. Uh, there's multiples of them. And so sometimes where we get in problems as singles is, you know, the old saying, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush, and we're going after the one in the bush, and then we end up with nothing, right? And so we, you guys look like, no, you don't get this? Yeah, well, come on. Remember back, go back to there, right? And um, it's literally the time of your life, literally and figuratively, when you have the most available people your age and thus the most potential marriage prospects. So a lot of times during this, you don't really give it much of a thought because you're just thinking, oh, it, it'll happen. You know, I'll, I'll go and I'll meet somebody and, and then it, it will just happen. As you head towards 22, this is also the first sense of awareness and where pressure sets in. Uh, usually it starts out like this. All my friends are getting married. I'm not getting married. Hmm. Right? And, and there's like, not an alarm bell yet, but suddenly an awareness. The second window, 22 to 25, is also good because you still have lots of opportunities because there's a lot of stuff going on and you can find places where things are happening and you know, a lot of times you're doing stuff with people or there's events or hikes or stuff like that. But the window is definitely smaller. It's not like when you're walking around in college and you saw people everywhere and thought, oh, I'll take that one or that one or that one. Um, now, most of your friends are married or getting married. And uh, where it used to be all week long, now it's weekends or outings where friends do something together. And so it's, it's, you feel this shrinking factor, right? The opportunity isn't what it once was. And you're starting to look more carefully now. You're starting to zero in. Maybe I better start paying attention if you, there used to be 50, now there's only three, I better start looking at the three, right? And, and you head that way. 
As you head towards the next window, 25 to 30, this is a time of, for many singles, not all, but many, of increased um, pressure and unsettledness. Because it's kind of the now what? Right? You're, you're out of school, you're in a career, you're, you're working, and um, your friends don't invite you over as much because they're married, and so you're like, well, now what? Now what do I do? And, and you wrestle with that. I mean, everybody's married. Does God care? Maybe I should do eHarmony, um, right? Self-doubt begins to set in. What's wrong with me? Or if, like I and my wife were, the picky type, right? Why haven't they shown up yet, right? I know what I'm looking for. Why isn't it showing up on the radar screen? Yeah, and, and there's a frustration with that. The, the list isn't that hard to fill. There should be somebody out there, right, kind of thing. The fourth window, if one desires to get married, is, is now the desert, right? 30 plus. Uh-oh. My world is not going the way my friend's world has gone. I'm now different. I'm now weird. I'm now the one that I get the looks and people feel sorry for. And they say things like when you go to a wedding, I remember going to weddings and I remember doing weddings and I had married off like three or four generations of youth staff and I had married off uh, three or four generations of, of kids, right? And then people would say, oh, you'll be next. I wanted to deck them, okay? I know that's not a very Christian response. I wanted to deck them. Or they would say things like, oh, I have someone I should introduce you to. And then they'd walk away. Well, tell me their name. Hello, you know? And, and so, and I know they were well-meaning and I know they were well-intentioned. But I was like hanging, like, ah! You know, help me out here. The, in the desert, everything looks lifeless and barren. If you think of what a desert looks like, devoid of opportunity or life or even God's presence. Howard Butt describes the desert and those who experience it as a place where the sand is blowing like micro, microscopic hot hail. All right? Some of you have been in a desert storm, know what that feels like. As a single, you're sitting there and everything pricks and hurts, and you just wrestle with this angst going on inside. Uh, he describes Moses in his desert experience, in his 40 years in the desert, as having sand in his teeth, sand in his eyes, and sand in his soul. Right? And you can get to the place where you have sand in your soul and you begin to start thinking, God's not good. God doesn't care. God's not listening. God, I'm not on his radar. He's dropped me off somewhere and I'm an orphan child. And the devil loves to play off of those. This is also um, a very tough era, the 30 plus, because some of us weren't single and now suddenly we're single by a couple different things. Number one, we may be single because of our own dumb choices. We may have sinned. We may have done things and, and we sent, we had a marriage or we had a relationship and we just threw it away and because of stupid, sinful choices. And now we find ourselves singles and going, oh my goodness, is, would, would God ever give me a second chance? Do I ever get a redo? Do I ever get a start over? Some of us are single. And we're sitting here this morning and we're single because somebody else made sinful, dumb choices, right? And they, we, we had our world and we had our relationship, we had our family, and then it just went, right? And they walked out. And now suddenly we're single not by choice, 
We're single because of circumstances. We never thought we'd be there. We never wanted to be there. Um, and, and there's a lot of hurt. And if you're in that boat, uh, sitting in a whole group of married people all the time, hearing about how wonderful marriage is, that's a really tough deal, right? And we can look together on the outside, but boy, sometimes it just gets, I had one single friend said, you know, Mitch, I know you're doing a marriage series. I'm just going to skip for a couple weeks. And then when you get done, I'll come back, right? Because I just can't sit through it. I'm sorry. And, and they just went to another church. I said, you know what? I get it. You're fine. Come on back after. And, uh, and, and we said, oh, how could they do that? Why don't they have faith? Uh, we have that a lot of times. A lot of moms um, who, one of the big places where that happens, I'm sorry, I got that backwards, is Mother's Day. Okay? When you want to be a mother or you haven't been able to be a mother or you haven't even been able to get married, Mother's Day is very hard holiday within the church because it's an absolute wonderful blessing for most of us and an absolute desert for a lot of us and so we wrestle with that and then some of us who are married become single in a completely different scenario Um, because we are married we've got it together we've got a relationship we love and then life and the fall kick in i want to uh read you an email Uh, i mentioned last sunday about uh, uh, Randy and Debbie Lawrence. They are the pastor team at Adventure Church in Duval, and they are uh, close personal friends of mine. Here's an email that, they, that Debbie actually sent out this week, and I, I want to read it to you. It says, Good morning, friends and family. We have been so blessed. What dear and kind friends you are. And she's responding to all the emails they've gotten back. My earlier post this week still stands when I shared that the Lord is near. His promises are new every morning, and he has vowed never to abandon us. There are some days we would choose not to live if we could, and this is one of them. It is very hard to tell family and friends that you are dying. Last evening, the doctors gave us the diagnosis of stage 4 cancer. It has completely blindsided us, but not our father. The doctors think I have weeks, or with chemo, months to live. My heart is heavy, but I know that God is a God of miracles, and He may choose to heal my body. I invite you to pray for that healing. The name of the cancer is angiosarcoma. It's a rare uh, form of cancer and has likely been attacking for a while. For her, it's in her liver. We believed in the beginning of 2.14 that this would be a year of celebration. There are so many things to celebrate, and for us, it's now each day, each moment that we have together. We love you, Debbie and Randy. How would you respond if that was you? How would you respond if you were Randy? Right? Uh, They just adopted some young kids a year or two ago. Can you imagine if you're in Randy's shoes? The impact is enormous. So when we're talking about singles, we're talking about... um, a very, very important group of people within our body. Matter of fact, uh, some of the most significant people in our body, in many ways, if you think about it, we don't have a youth staff without the singles in our church, right? They give their weekends, they give their time, they go on retreats, they give their Tuesday nights, they give their Thursday nights, they give nights when they do crazy pizza things, they do nights when they do... Uh, much of the ministry that we know as Northview Community Church 
does not or would not happen without the singles in our church. Some of the most gifted people in our church are the singles in our church. And so they're a very valuable um, part of our body, and they often don't get the kudos or the honor uh, worthy of them. We've been working off of this diagram of how communication can go uh, sideways. And by the way, uh, last Sunday was the snow Sunday, and um, a number of you weren't able to make it either to church or also even to the connect group. And we just want to invite you, the connect groups are on, and if you missed last Sunday and you had wanted to come, just jump back in this Sunday night, okay? 5.30 here at the church, you can come back in. But we've been talking about how communication can go sideways. One of the ways this can go sideways also is within the church between married couples and singles. There's just kind of a distortion that takes place in communicating, and somehow uh, singles get the impression that they're a second-class citizen in, in the kingdom. And, and that's not really true. There are several, uh, I want to suggest, perception filters from both sides that sort of tweak the communication. And then if you add spiritual warfare in there, it, it just goes, right, kind of thing. Marriage, for us, often we forget how hard it was. And uh, we have sort of a, a spiritual amnesia. And, and we say really dumb things to singles. Uh, like, oh, don't worry, it'll just happen. Um, you'll know it when it's the right one. Or, like I said, at, at weddings, you'll be next, right? And we, we, we say, and really, we're well-intentioned, right? But just think of what that sounds like uh, to somebody who's a single person. Now, if they're 18 and 22, there's hope to some of those statements, right? But if you're in your 30s, that's not hopeful. That's not helpful. And uh, we get stuck with that. Now, I have to say that most of my married friends and most of the people I know uh, in, in our church are enormously supportive with both affection and prayer um, uh, towards our singles in the church. And, and they have them over for dinner. They do all kinds of stuff with them, and it's great. And I would say when I was single at North Shore, I would say this was true of North Shore, and to them I owe a great debt of love, for they sustained me uh, through the desert years in the midst of what I felt was my trial. Uh, but even with that, it wasn't easy, uh, especially as I kept moving through my 30s. It, it, was, it was very, very hard um, in terms of trying to handle that well. Singles, there's also a tendency to have filters. We look at the married people as they have somehow arrived in a different way than we've been able to. Uh, and so when we look at the married couples, um, we go somehow without saying it that god loves them more than me because he brought them together and he hasn't brought me together that now that they're married they don't have it looks to us when we're single like they don't have any self-esteem issues anymore shows you how thick these filters are right uh they don't have any friendship issues anymore because they're married and married couples just go out and do stuff together uh, they don't struggle with life's problems. And if they do, they love each other so much that they just pray together and it all melts away. We'll talk more about that next week. Okay? But we have that perception. It also looks like from a singles perspective that married love 
heals all wounds and hurts from the past. And so the devil lies to a single person and says, see, you can't get fixed until you're married. And God isn't keeping his part of the bargain. devil's good at whispering that. Now, married people, are all wounds and hurts from the past healed just because you're married? No, here's the real problem with marriage is you get married and then it all flushes out, right? So whatever you didn't take care of as a single person and you thought I got married, guess what? It just amplifies it. Wow! And we know that. And so what do we tell singles? Oh, you should take care of it now while you're single. And they look at us like, you're an idiot. You know, I'll take care of it when I'm married. No, it doesn't work that way because... You don't have any time you your kids and it's horrible and you 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 you, you, you got to go to work and you got all this stuff and you don't have time to fix your and then they're they dump all over you right and then you're 50 you have to go to counseling all right needless to say it can get really messy it can get tangled right it can it can become a boondoggle and uh, many people don't really ever get untangled with that it usually doesn't show up so much externally, right, uh, on a Sunday morning, but it can be quite a battle internally. And usually how we know something's happened is people just disappear. All of a sudden, singles aren't at church anymore, and um, they've made choices, and they've made choices because God wasn't coming through for them, and since God wasn't coming through for them, they take matters into their own hands. And then you run into them at a Starbucks or a grocery store and say, I, I've gone in a different direction. And, but what is at the heart of that is that the, the root of faith has died inside of them because they were having a hard time uh, trusting the Lord all the way through. There's another complicating factor that I think we need to talk about this morning, and that's the uh, complicating factor uh, especially if you're single, we have to consider this morning, is the battle with Scripture, all right? Um, from a married perspective, a lot of things settle out really well in Scripture because you go, oh yeah, that and that, and it makes sense. But from a single's perspective, it can get kind of tough. Consider these uh, conundrums up here. Uh, Genesis 2.18, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Right? And so from the very beginning, God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. Then compare that to um, 1 Corinthians 7, 1, we read this morning, it's good for a man not to marry. Right? Can you feel the, feel the jarring effect of that? If you're a single person? Okay, which one are you going to land on? Try this one. He who finds, Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife, finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Ah, so if I'm blessed, I'll have found a husband or a wife. Then contrast that to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. An unmarried man or woman, the woman is in the second paragraph, is concerned about the Lord's affairs. So, Hmm. Do I want to find a good thing or do I want to be concerned about the Lord's affairs? Can I be concerned about the Lord's affairs if I'm married? I, had, mm, I don't know. What do I do with that? Try this one. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Ever heard that one worked out before? Right? Okay. But then, from a singles perspective, this found in 2 Peter, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I'm 30, 970 to go. Whoopee. Okay. Oh my goodness, this is taking forever. How are we ever going to get there? Right? What is the Lord's timing on this? Well, in, in line of, um, in view of Valentine's Day that we just went through, I have a BC cartoon that I love. It's up on my board in my office. What I've told you before is I haven't struggled often too much with God's will. What I've struggled a lot with is His timing. Right? I don't know if that's true for any of the rest of you, but His timing somehow never seems to match up with mine. Um, I wanted it yesterday. Uh, he's 10 years down the road. I want to wait 10 years down the road, and he starts yesterday. Uh, and I constantly find myself having to readjust my stride to match up with him. And that was true when I was a single. That's true uh, now when I'm married. And so here's a, a great cartoon from BC, if you like the BC cartoon strip. Uh, so he's sitting there on the mountain and uh, senses this volcano's about to go off, and he gets this little Ford better idea thought in his head. And so he pops down, and there's his girlfriend. He kisses her exactly as the volcano goes off. And then he says, if you ain't got timing, you ain't got nothing, right? <laughs> and that is, if you think about it, one of the things that is really true for all of us is a sense of God's timing and being in line with God's timing. In Ephesians, it talks about being in step with the Holy Spirit. That's literally where we get the term, our walk with God, because we're walking with Him. And so as singles, we need to be in step with God, and as married couples, we need to be in step with God. And we will look at more of that, um, more of that next week. But I want to close uh, with this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. A lot of Corinthians chapter 7 this morning. It says, since we have these promises, and it's talking about the promises we have in Jesus, in our Lord and Savior, the one who has died on the cross for us, the one who has taken the debt of our sins, the one who has risen again from the dead, who is uh, in in heaven at the right hand of the Father and is present today with us through the Holy Spirit. That, those promises that are located all throughout Scripture. So since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of a reverence for God. One of the things that is hard for a single is to understand that their choices matter and that it really makes a difference uh, what choices they make because if they make the right choices it's a matter of perfecting holiness and that holiness is an essential part of singleness and here's the great um, reveal on that if you don't get that lesson when you're single then you learn that lesson when you're married and often learning it when you're married is brutal because if you haven't practiced holiness when you're single you will not practice it when you're married either and thus we have affairs, and thus we have divorces, and thus we have breakdowns, and thus we have all kinds of messes in our marriage because we have not crafted or perfected the craft of, of perfecting holiness. And we have to remember, I think, that that's primarily the great thing that we are called to. 
not in a performance-based way where we get a we pull up our bootstraps and we get the grade and we knock out the A and we get four brownie points. That's a kind of a works-based uh, Christianity. But in the sense that we're in a relationship with our Father and He teaches us how to be holy through His grace. And we step with Him towards that and stay obedient to Him in the process as He sanctifies us. The, the process of holiness is something that's difficult whether we're single or married. And yet that is what we are all called to. And as we learn it in singleness, so we learn it in marriage. And therefore, this whole process of holiness is something that gets really tangled up because there's all kinds of competing currents in our culture that want to pull us away from what we are primarily called to. And that is to be holy in the sight of God and holy in His presence. And so as we think about that this morning, as we wrestle with that this morning, I want you to think married couples about singles you know and and just how you can encourage them and come alongside them. And singles, I want you to think about how you have to stay with it and believe that God's timing is better than your timing and that God's dream for your life and God's timing for your life is better than your dream for your life and your timing for your life. Therein lies the problem, right? All right, we'll come back to this next week and we'll go deeper on it and we'll walk through some more, but let's close in prayer. Father, as we uh, look at this, you have a great love for all kinds of singles, those who are widowed, those who, and we think of Randy and Debbie, Lord, and we lift them up to you and we would pray for Debbie's miraculous healing. We know that apart from that, without that, if that doesn't come through, she'll be home with you soon. And we think in terms of mercy and compassion towards Randy and the kids and ask if you might not intervene. We also know, Lord, that you can extend a a greater grace, that you can be glorified through this. And um, that's not something we would pick to go through. Lord, others of us here are single because we were divorced, that someone walked out of our life. We had uh, been obedient and we had um, trusted you. And then it all fell apart because of sin and the fall and the mess and the tangle of this world and uh, the, the diverted heart of someone who we love. Others of our single, Lord, because we haven't met the person who we're supposed to be married yet. Others of us, Lord, are single because we prefer the lifestyle and, and we don't mind being single and we like the freedom it brings and we like being used by you. And so... Lord, there's all kinds of stages here in terms of what, where we are as a body. And we ask that you would uh, let singles know that they are not second-class citizens in the kingdom, that they are deeply valued, and that they are valuable and precious and, and worthy right where they are being single. And we seek you for that in your spirit and ask this in your name. Amen.